Hi there, and God bless you. I'm Brian Hallam. I pray that this message is a blessing to you. Thank you for downloading it, and thank you for following me on Twitter and Instagram and for liking and sharing what we post there. I just want you to know that I believe God wants to do something great in your life and in your family. So as we go into the Word today, let's go in with faith and hope and a high level of expectation for what God is going to do in your life. Well, praise God. Bump your neighbor, tell them they look good in church and you can be seated in the house of God. Go on, tell them even if you got to bend the truth a little bit. Give me a little more monitor up here. That's about good. Have you ever forgotten something? What were we talking about? Have, have you ever forgotten something? You, you, have you ever forgotten something relatively important? Like, like a birthday. Gentlemen, have you ever forgotten an anniversary? Have you ever... Let, let, me, let, me, let me kind of give you an idea where I'm going. I have three children... 10, 8, and 5. And they are like, like court reporters, okay? They forget nothing. If you say we might get ice cream after dinner in June, they will remember in June that you said in March, Daddy, you said we might get ice cream after dinner. They will remember every single thing about what you say or what you don't say. But the thing is, my children, they don't just remember the little stuff. They remember everything. Like, uh, for instance, occasionally they've called me in the middle of the day. They'll, they'll do this somewhat often. They'll call me in the middle of the day and they just want to say hi and I, I'm excited that they do. And, and they'll say something like, hey, Dad, uh, are you bringing me something home? And, and typically, I like to say, Yes. So, so for me, here's, here's, one of our, here's one of the keys on how we raise our children. We make every attempt to say yes. So that doesn't mean that, that they get a yes to everything, but we make every attempt to say yes. If it's no, then we really mean no. So if we tell our children the answer is no, then the answer is no. And because we've done that for 10 years, they trust us that we don't have to Sometimes they negotiate, but, but typically we don't have to have a 10-hour conversation about whether or not we're serious because when we said no, the answer was no. If we said we were going to do something, we did it. If we said, uh, listen, there's going to be a consequence, then there really was a consequence, which means the next time we said, if you do that again, there's going to be a consequence, they believed us because the last time we said that, we were honest about it. So sometimes, though, in the middle of the day, I'll, I'll just be working and I'll get a phone call. Daddy, aren't you bringing me something home? And again, I want to say yes. So I have the thought I can swing by the store. I can grab them some, some Snickers or something, and I will have brought them something home. So I will say, yeah, Dad's going to bring you something home. 
And then, you know, the day goes by and it gets to be five or six o'clock and, and I get home and I walk in and they run up to me with their eyes like this and I'm like, I am the best dad on the planet. <laughs> I mean, they miss me when I'm not home. And they're like, hey, Dad. And they're, they're about to give me this big hug. And then they go like this. And I'm like, are you like, is, is there a leak in the house? What are you thinking? And, and I'm like, what are you doing? And they're like, oh, Dad, you're picking at me. And I'm like, what are you picking? I'm picking at you for what? You know, what did you bring me? And I'm like, <laughs> yeah. Let's see here. I got... I got you a dime. Yeah, I did. Let's see here. I got you. Oh, I got you a Home Depot receipt. Yeah, glory to God. You're going to love that. Keep that in a safe place. And you, this is called pocket lint. Now, you can use it if you ever have to start a fire or something. It's phenomenal. But sometimes we forget things. Sometimes we, we forget to do what we said we were going to do. And I'm not here to beat anybody else up because if I was, I'd have to stare in the mirror. But the, the, the thing that I want to get through uh, this weekend as we're talking about expecting God to do something good is your expectation has everything to do with what you will experience. I had, in that example, I come home and I've forgotten to do it. I forgot to get them and bring them something. If they had not brought expectation to me, they never would have gotten me to respond. Your expectation determines your experience. What you are expecting in life almost all the time you get. When Crystal says to me, I want to go to this place, and I think I don't want to go to that place, and I, I think I, I'd rather, you know, I, I remember one time when we were shopping, uh, we, we, were, we were just married, and, and, and I remember one time I was sitting in one of those stores that, that are just, they're not for me, and I'm sitting in this store, and I don't know why these stores have like one chair, because there's always like five guys that want to sit in the one chair. So you've got the, the one guy who got there early, he's sitting in the chair, and everybody else is kind of leaning up against it. But I remember I was sitting there and I was thinking, man, this is just whatever. And then one day uh, she said she wanted to go shopping and I said, okay, let's go shopping, whatever. And I remember personally just making the decision, you know what, I'm just, I'm just not going to have a bad day today. Today, I'm going to enjoy it. Now, I always enjoy your company. I always enjoy this. But I got in there and I was like, this has got to be some of the softest silk I've ever seen. <laughs> Baby, have you seen this floral pattern on this blouse? It's just amazing. It's like, a, it's like I'm looking at a bush just waving in the wind. Who knew? And she's like, what is wrong with you? And I was like, I just, I just don't like it in these places, so I'm trying to make the most of it. So I shifted my expectation from expecting it to be miserable so now all of a sudden, my wife is smiling, my wife is laughing, she understands that I'm doing something that is 100% for her, but it's all because instead of walking into an environment with an expectation here, I walked into an environment with an expectation here. When my kids come to me with their hands out expecting me to do something good, it puts a demand on who I am as a father to provide for them based off of their expectations. When you put a, a, an, when you put your expectancy out there when it comes to the things of God, you put a demand on the heavens to respond to your level of expectation. 
The Bible says the woman with the issue of blood, we talked about her a few weeks ago, she came and there was probably hundreds, maybe thousands of people around Jesus all trying to get to him and there was a lady who'd been sick for 12 years and she said within herself, if I can just touch the hem of his garment, if I can just touch the edge of his coat, I will be made whole. In other words, out of hundreds and maybe thousands of people, there was one person that put an overwhelming expectancy, thereby placing a demand on heaven. Changing the atmosphere with their own expectations. One of our points we made a few weeks ago was, your expectation is the breeding ground, it is the formulating ground for the miraculous to show up in your life. When you're expecting God to do something good and you decide regardless of the circumstance, regardless of the situation, regardless of the issues, I'm going to continue to expect God to do something good. You're like one of my kids running up to me and they're like, oh yeah, I know something good's going to come out of my dad's hand. I know something good's going to come out of my father's hand. When you go to the king of all kings and the Lord of all glories and you are expecting him to do something good in your life, all of heaven begins to respond when one believer just refuses to believe anything other than God is going to do something good in my life. Come on, give God a big strong hand of praise. She expected God to do something good and she received it. Number two, if you're taking notes. This this one's a bit of a recap. I, I spent the week preparing and I was all excited to go a different direction. And towards the end of the week, I really felt the Lord say, I want you to share this. And I said, okay, I'll do it. Here's the thing. Delay in your life is not denial. Some of us are, are waiting for God to move in a certain situation or circumstance. And the fact that he hasn't done it yet does not mean he's not going to do it. The fact that we have not experienced it yet does not mean he's not going to do it. And sometimes delay, it, though it doesn't mean denial, but it might mean detour. All right. Sometimes, to, listen, if you want to go to the airport for the next two years, glory to the Lamb of God, you have to drive right by New Heights Church. If you want to go to, to, to Caldwell or, or Snook from, from this side of town, you're going to have to drive past New, New Heights Church. It doesn't mean you're not going to get to your destination. It just means there is a detour that has been in place. Now that detour for a lot of people, they're going to drive by here and it's going to be the first time because I hear this all the time. I'm literally like a Las Vegas car dealer when it comes to inviting people to church. We got these, these, these guest cards out in the... Or, or, uh, uh, first touch cards out in the lobby. You can have as many as you want. But if you wait, if you wait on my table, if you say hi to me, if you if you if you have a shirt on or a hat on, and I walk by you, I'm going to be tossing those cards out. Like, hey, have you been to New Heights Church? Have you been to New Heights Church? And almost every single time, I hear the same thing. I didn't even know this church was there, and it's like a dagger to my heart because I'm like, well, I want you to know it's there. There's hundreds, if not thousands, there are thousands of people that do not know that New Heights Church exists and it's a place where they will literally, regardless of their background, regardless of their history, regardless of what they've done, regardless of what they didn't do, what we are going to do collectively as a member, as a portion of the body of Christ, is we are going to love people and we are going to point them to Christ. Hundreds 
Thousands of people are going to find out that New Heights Church exists over the next two years, not because they're not going to get to the destination they wanted to go in the beginning, but rather because there is a brief delay which is going to cause them to detour, but eventually the detour for those who hear about it, for those who come and experience what God is doing, that detour is going to revolutionize their life. When God... When God says He's going to do something, He's not like you and me. He doesn't forget on the way home. He doesn't forget to stop at the store and pick up the Snickers or the, or the M&M's or the Reese's Pieces or anything else. He remembers, the Bible says, He's constantly looking over His Word to perform it. Which means when He said, by His stripes, you are healed That means you might not see it right now. You might not feel it right now. I might be going through a detour at the moment. But I know that I know that I know that our God, mm, I know He's going to do what He said He would do. Delay is not denial. Sometimes it just means detour. But a detour might be just the thing for you to see what God has been trying to show you. Detour might be just the thing for the next level to break out in your life. Detour might be just the thing. You see, however Jesus has ever been described to you, and and everybody who knows him knows he's good, but he is far better than anything we could ever describe. He has no weakness. He has no vice. He has no hostility towards you. He, he has no, le- you cannot measure his level of compassion. You cannot measure who he is and the amount of grace he is willing to distribute. He is immeasurable in all of his ways. So if you've never heard anything about Jesus, and this is the first, I just want you to hear this one thing. He's better than you could ever imagine. He will change. Listen, he doesn't change anything about your life he changes everything about your life he changes listen it can rain it can snow we can lose one hour of sleep he's still overwhelmingly good your boss can have a problem with you Your mother-in-law can have a problem with you. You can have a problem with your mother-in-law. You can have a problem with your cousin. You can have a problem with your neighbor. But Jesus, he will never have a problem with you. And if you have a problem with him, it is because somebody did not represent him well. It's not because he did something. He's better than you could put. If all we did was talk about how good he is, If all we did was speak about him over and over, day after day. The Bible says it this way. If we tried to write down every good thing that Jesus did, there is not enough books on the planet that would hold all the good things he did. He is overwhelming. The the thing that you and I have to do is we have to shift our paradigm. We have to change the way we think. I I, I grew up uh, in East Texas, and there were two types of music in East Texas. There was country and Western. (laughs) And and there was this song, and and we sang all all the songs, and 
and, and just enjoyed it. But there was this one song, and it would sing about rose-colored glasses. Has anybody ever heard the song, Rose-Colored Glasses? We're going to have a prayer line for all you heathens. I'm just kidding. I still love that song. Rose-colored glasses. He, he's singing, and, and he's talking about it. He said, when I got these glasses on, everything I look at just looks better. That's a great depiction of a paradigm. When it comes to who the Lord is in your life, when it comes to who the Lord is in your neighbor's life, in your friend's life, who he wants to be for your neighbor, who he wants to be for your friend, we have to have the correct paradigm because if we have the correct paradigm, we start to wonder what his will for our life is. But when you know him, you know who the will of God for your life is based off of who he is, not based off of who you have been. If you then begin to look at him through the eyes that the scripture identify and they lay out for us, then you begin to come to a place where you are completely and totally convinced of one fact. It is his good pleasure to bless you. It is God's good pleasure to bless you. He enjoys blessing you. God enjoys, listen to this, and just so, I don't want anybody thinking, well, you know, that's pretty good spiritually speaking, but you know, when it comes to the day-to-day stuff, that's not it. I just want to make sure I'm clear. God loves giving you stuff too. He loves blessing you. He loves seeing you healthy. He loves seeing your marriage strong. He loves seeing your, you, you, you blessed in the city and blessed. He loves seeing you having the best job. He loves seeing you coming to the head of the class. He loves seeing your influence race. He loves seeing your children do well. He loves when your kids make the A, B honor roll. He loves when your kids are, are kind to one another. He loves, and I mean loves, blessing you. The Bible says that, that if your child were to come to you and ask you for an egg... Would you give your child a scorpion? Of course not. The Bible says if your child asks you for a piece of bread, would you give them a rock? My answer is it depends on what day it is. You know what I'm saying? But no, the Bible says if they ask you for bread, of course we'll give them some bread. Of course we'll give them something to eat. We're not going to give them a bunch of scorpions for eggs. The Bible then continues to say this. He says, how much more does our Father in heaven know how to bless you and me? It is His good pleasure to bless you. Before I became a parent, I thought, man, it's going to be awesome. My kids are going to—they're going to love God. They're going to—they're going to sing. They're going to—they're going to—they're going to dance. They're going to—they're going to—if they want to play sports, they can play sports. You know, they're just going to—they're going to be wonderful, and I'm going to bless them. But I—I never—I never understood. I never understood what it really meant that the Father—it's His good pleasure to bless us until I had kids. Because now, one of my favorite things, if not my favorite thing about having children, is sitting with my wife and plotting and scheming and planning how we're going to bless them. Mm-hmm. What, what, baby, I'll sit, I said, baby, what, what's, what's Haley really into right now? What's she thinking about right now? What do you think she would like right now? Now, listen, I'm not saying that we don't discipline our children and all that other stuff. That is 100% true. But don't get so heavy on one side that you forget about the other side. We sit and we think, what can we do? Is there anything? What do you think? Can, is this possible? Is that possible? What can we do? And then here's the thing. Sometimes we'll ask them, and we did this one time. We were going to go and we were going to take them. Listen to this. We were going to take them on a cruise ship. 
but not just a cruise ship, a Disney cruise ship. Like the mouse drives the boat. I mean, we're talking like, like crazy. The cruise ship goes, get this, to a private Disney island. How many of you would just get on that boat right now if it was, if it was parked out there? Detour or no detour, I'll get on the Disney boat. We went and we got on the boat. We had to go and, and, and we drove for 18 hours straight and we got on the Disney boat and, and we got on the Disney boat and then we went to the Bahamas, okay? And the Bahamas, it's like, here, here it is. You've got Texas, the Bahamas, heaven. That's it. Doesn't get any better. So we get to the Bahamas, and we're just, we're just living the dream, and, and, and we're all on the beach, and we're snorkeling and doing all this other stuff. Well, then we get off the boat after four or five days, and, and they think, all right, we're going home. Well, guess what? We took them to Disney World. So we went to the mouse boat. Now we go to the mouse world. And, and just so I can be clear about it, I would go on 10 cruises in a row before I went back to Disney World, okay? <laughs> There's something about waiting in line that's just difficult for me. But, but they had no idea. So again, we asked them, we, when we asked them, hey, baby, what do you want to do today? Where do you want to go? What would you like to do? And knowing her, me and her mother, uh, we have been planning, me and their mother have been planning on how we're going to bless them. We've been plotting and scheming because it is our good pleasure to bless them. It is our joy to bless them. We said, where would you want to go? And they're like, oh, man, I think. And, and they're really getting their faith out there and they're really getting their expectancy out there. And I can tell they're thinking about what they're going to say because they think they might get it. Like, Dad, I'm like, what? Can we please? I'm like, where do you want to go? Just say it. And can we please go to Chuck E. Cheese? Chuck E. Cheese, you would have saved me thousands and thousands of dollars if I had just asked this weeks ago. Yeah, Dad, we want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. I said, well, pack your bags because we're not going to Chuck E. Cheese. When they found out we were going to the Disney cruise, they were all excited. But, but here, here's the point I want to get. My children were expecting something good. And their expectation was high for a child because, you know, we don't go to Chuck E. Cheese very often, but hey, boom, Dad, we really want to go to Chuck E. Cheese. But their father, who's just an earthly father, he's way better than us. Let me tell you what we did. Their earthly father did exceeding abundantly above more than they were asking and thinking. How much more so? Does our Father in heaven know how to bless, the Bible says, those who will ask? In other words, those who are expecting God to do something good. We're at a season now of an open heaven, and I'm telling you, you want to get to the end of 2017 with your faith so far out there, you want to be able to get to the end of 2017 and say, I still have trouble believing all the good things God did in my life this year. And the only way that that happens is you begin to put a demand on the heavens by expecting God to do something good. He's never done anything else. He's never done anything harmful to you. It is His good pleasure to bless you. He is overwhelmingly good at it. The Bible says that King David, one of my favorites, the Bible says King David, uh, after he became king, he was sitting on his throne. And, and we, we, we love David for a lot of reasons, but one the Bible says is he's a man after God's own heart. And that's like a, a two-fold meeting, probably more than two, but at least two. One is, he's a man that pursues God's heart. 
The other is he's a man that, that if you look at how David acts, a lot of his life, that's how the Lord acts. Because he tried to model his life after the Lord. So the Bible says David, he hadn't been king long and he's sitting on his throne and he goes, Ah, I wish there was somebody that I could bless out of the house of Saul. Saul was the previous king. For Jonathan's sake, Jonathan was the previous king's son. In other words, he's sitting up there and he says, oh man, I wish there was somebody I could bless because of the son of the one who was the most high. I wish there was somebody I could bless because of the son of royalty. I wish there was somebody that I could bless because of the prince. And now we've got a God in heaven who's sitting on his throne like David showed us a form and type and a shadow of who he is. He's sitting on his throne and he's going, oh, I wish there was somebody down there that I could bless because of my son. I wish there was somebody who would expect me to do something good. Where is the woman with the issue of blood? Where is the centurion? Where is Nehemiah? Where is the Noah? Where is the Jonah? Where is the Moses? I wish there was somebody who would expect me to do something good. I wish there was somebody who would take my uh, character, examine me, and come to the realization that I would never harm them, I would never hurt them, and it is my overwhelming good pleasure to bless them in their coming in to bless them in their going out in every way, shape, form I wish there was somebody I could bless because of my son but if you spend your life the Bible says this matter of fact I'll read it the Bible says in Hebrews 13 right around verse 8 Jesus Christ, the same, yesterday, today, and forever. Now, you're different. You're different than you were yesterday. When I was a kid, you couldn't force feed me a salad. But now I'll have a salad. If there's no other food on the planet, I will have like a bite, like floating in ranch dressing. When I was a kid... I did childish things. When you get older, you begin to mature and you do things differently. You're different. When you got married, your wife was different than she is now. I'm not talking about how we look. I'm not talking about, you know, the, the, our pants size. Because I am the exact same size I was when I was 16. <laughs> not true. You're different. You change. Tomorrow you're gonna, you're gonna. There's the song that you used to love. You're just not even gonna like it anymore. I don't know why. We just change. Things just shift. There, there was a time in your life when somebody was on the street corner with a sign that says, you know, God bless you, anything helps, and you would have the thought. You would go, they're probably strung out on drugs. I'm not giving them nothing. But then you find out. He who gives to the poor lends to the Lord, the Bible says. And now you drive by and that same person who you used to just, just be almost like, like mean about in your spirit. And maybe they are on drugs, I don't know. But there's something that changed on the inside of you and you're like, man, 
A few bucks won't hurt me, but it might help him. Hey, man, here you go. God loves you. Thanks. See, you've changed. You're, you're different. You shift. One of the things that, that's imperative about a good relationship is understanding the person you're in relationship with won't be the same five years from now and might not be the same five weeks from now. The question is, are you committed to love them or are you committed to love the person that they are exactly how they were the whole time? Because that's not love at all. Because if it's love, the Bible says, for this is love, not that we loved him, but that he first loved us and gave himself as a propitiation. In other words, if you want the best relationship with your husband or your spouse, love is this. Not that they love you, but that you first love them. But you don't understand, preacher. He says this and she says that and this, that, or the other. Oh, really? For this is love. Not that they did everything right, but that you first love them. Because you're always changing. Now, in the big picture, in the wonderful picture, is we're changing, get this, from glory to glory to glory. The Bible says weeping may endure for a night, but joy comes in the morning. This morning it came early. Weeping might endure for a little bit, but joy comes. And see, you're just changing all the time. Amen. Some of you, maybe you, you thought, man, I'm, I'm, I got married you know, 10 years ago, and I thought that was it. I was going to be married to him uh, until we went to heaven, and, and, and just something or some things happened, and just life happened to you. And you've spent a lot of time being frustrated, wondering what God thought about you, and let me just tell you what God thinks about you. You're the apple of His eye. You are not what you have done. You're what God says you are. You're not what somebody else said about you. You're what God said about you. But here, here, here's the thing, and, and, and I'm, I'm about to close with this. As we shift our paradigm, it's imperative to understand we change but the book of Malachi makes it completely clear. God doesn't change. He is the same yesterday. He is the same today. And He will be the same tomorrow. So when it comes to Jesus, you got you to gotta go, well, well, what's Jesus? Why are we talking about Him so much? Because He is the fullness of the Godhead bodily. He is the Lord God made flesh so that you and I could have a reference to what He's like. And if you want to know what Jesus is like, then you will find out. If you find out what He's like, then you have to know He was like that yesterday, He'll be like that today, and He'll be like that tomorrow. So the only question is, what's He like? The only way to find out is to crack open the Bible and read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Almost exclusively first-hand accounts of what he did while he was here. Almost exclusively first-hand descriptions of what he was about. Almost exclusively first-hand reports of what is this man like. 
somebody followed you around for three and a half years and jotted down the things that you did, we would know what you were like in that season, but we wouldn't know what you were like in the future. Because every person that has ever been created has the ability to change by the power of God. However, God has no reason to change. So however He was, He is. However He is, He will be. So if you want to know what Jesus is like, you read those first four. We call them the Gospels. Some people call it the Canons. Uh, Literally, it's the first four books in the New Testament that God had orchestrated and put together because the most important thing in our Bible, period, without anything coming a close second, is you having a realization of who Jesus is and what He's about. And if you read you will find this. He went about doing good. He went about forgiving. Do you remember when He forgave you and you realized it? When it wasn't just somebody else's Jesus, He became your Jesus. He became your scapegoat. He became the one who paid your price. He went about doing good, forgiving. He went about healing the sick, finding people with a broken heart and drawing himself close to them until there was no more proof or even any more remnant of the pain that they brought to him. He went about finding the outcast. He went about finding the ones, and, and sometimes it was with, it was with uh, actual words that that people would bring him their cares and concerns. But here's one of my favorite parts about Jesus. So many times it says this, he perceived in his heart. He knows what you're thinking. He knows the pain on the inside. He knows all the hurts. He knows all the issues. He knows about the prodigal son. He knows about the prodigal daughter. He knows about your relationship Uh, that that strained and hard. He knows about that addiction that if you really could, you would stop it tomorrow. You would just put it down. You'd never do it again. You'd never click on that thing on the computer. You'd never smoke that stuff. You'd never be around that person. You'd never do any of that again if you could. But the reality is, is he comes and he doesn't come alone. He comes and he brings fire, the Bible says. And this fire, it takes all those issues of hurt, harm, and pain and it consumes them. It takes them to a place where they cannot affect you anymore. It takes them to a place where the pain no longer sticks to you. Sometimes, maybe you feel like this, you feel like your pain is is stapled all over your body. And it, it has become your identity. Your issues have become your identity. Your failures have become your identity. He came and said things like this. He said, behold, and I love this. He said, behold, I make all things new. Today's a day when we're going to expect God to do something good. And one of those wonderful things that he will do time and time and time again is He will make everything new in your life. Please stand to your feet.
Please bow your head and close your eyes. If you're here today and you say, that's me, preacher. I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not even going to call you to the front. But if you're here today and you say, man, preacher, I, I feel that way. I, I feel like I could really use a fresh start. I'm not saying you're not saved. I'm not even saying you don't know Jesus. I'm just saying you feel like the stuff is stuck to you harder than it could. Today we're going to shift our paradigm and in the middle of the valley of the shadow of death, we are going to put our foot down and we are going to expect God to do something good. We're going to come to Him not based off of an idea that, that He might do something. We're going to come to Him based off of the understanding of His Word that every single person who came to Him with a need, He was willing, able, and He did meet their need. And He has not changed. He's the same then as He is now, as He will be in the future. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if that's you today, and you say, you know what, I, I just need that fresh start. I, I need... I need all things new again. If that's you and I count to three, just lift your hand. With an uplifted hand, you're just saying, I want to be included in that prayer, preacher. One, two, three, lift it up. There are hands all over the building. Thank you, Lord. Is there anyone else? Because we'll pray in just a moment. Thank you, Lord. He'll really do it. I'm living proof. All right. If you lifted your hand or you wanted to, I want you, while we're praying, to just expect God to do something really good in your life. Everybody, lift your hands and and just just like an act of reception, like for real, God. It's like putting our spiritual antennas up. Lord, I ask you today with full understanding and knowledge of who you are that you're a good God, that you love us, that you sent your Son to pay our price where we should have to pay our debt. We do not have to because of who Jesus is. So today, Father, I ask you that you would do again what you've done before, that you would make all things new, Lord, let your spirit and your power wash over your people once again. Refresh us, revive us, change us once again. Shift our circumstance, shift our mindset to look at you with high expectations of who you are. Shift our belief structure. Let us always go to you, not wondering what to expect, not hoping in the wrong direction, but knowing that you're a good God and you will do what you said you will do. Wash us once again, O God. Take us back to that place where we first believed, where our fervency for you burned white hot, O God. Now for every addiction in this building... I come against it in the name of Jesus and I declare it broken off of your life right now in Jesus' name. I declare every stronghold broken off of your life. I declare every iniquitous trait, anybody that's battling an anger issue, you have a temper, you have a short fuse, I say in Jesus' name, be free of that this morning. Let the 
power of God invade our lives so strong that nothing remains the same, but everything grows closer to you, O God. Everything shifts and everything moves and begins to align back with what you've called us to be, God. Let your power flood every fiber of our being. If there are any sick in this house, if there are any that need recovery in this house, I call forth sight to the blind, hearing for the deaf. I call forth the anointing of peace to come in your life. I say the healing balm of Gilead would overflow you in the name of Jesus. That no infection, no disease, no virus, no report, no uh, uh, cancer, no emphysema, no glaucoma, no diabetes, no kidney issue, no heart issue, no lung issue, no issue of the spine, the back, the neck, or the head. None of those can stand against the power of our God. I call you healed this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Lord, I thank you for what you are doing. I thank you for what you have done. And God, I thank you with a great level of expectation for what you are going to do in our lives in Jesus' mighty, precious, and holy name. Somebody give God a shout. We hope you were blessed by today's podcast. If you'd like more information about Pastor Brian or New Heights Church, visit newheightschurch.info and be sure to follow Pastor Brian on Twitter and Instagram. Until next time, thank you so much for liking and sharing.